Touchdown! Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that time, George. Welcome to fourth and one. I am Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And the preseason's done, man, but the regular season doesn't start for more than two weeks. Um, how will you survive these next two weeks without uh, without real football? I'll be I'll be perfectly fine. I'm not too I'm not too worried about it at all because I will, um, you know, I'll, I'll watch a lot of game film, like coaches film. Uh, NFL Plus has been kind enough to add a subscription in to where you can watch uh, coaches film during the preseason. So I've been doing a lot of that. So I mean that'll keep me busy for the next two weeks. Uh, yeah, that's what uh, um, between Minecraft and Fortnite, I make my kids watch game film with me too. All right, so the Chiefs wrapped up the preseason playing against the Packers. Um, they won the game 17 to 10 to the extent that winning uh, a preseason game when almost none of the key offensive starters actually took a snap matters. But I did want to get your impression on a couple things. One, how concerned are you with the injuries to the cornerbacks and the wide receivers? Because uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling is in concussion protocol. Juju Smith Schuster, you know, didn't play much with the knee. Uh, obviously, McCole Hardman missed time with an injury. Um, if you want to extend that a little bit, Matt Bushman and Blake Bell and the tight end room have both gotten hurt. Um, and then if you look at the cornerback situation, Rashad Fenton missed a lot of training camp with the shoulder. Then he goes down with the groin. Joshua Williams is a little bit gimpy at one point. Trent McDuffie ends up in, in the concussion protocol. I mean, they're already having a lot of new guys in those position groups. Um, and now they're maybe dealing with some attrition already before we even get to the season. Todd, I'm not gonna lie. I took a nap during the entire time you uh, you had that laundry list of injuries, <laughs> and I feel refreshed now. So thank you for allowing me that window. It's very yeah. Kind well, of see, you. we got you healed up. Yeah, I mean, I was I was fine to begin with. It just got exhausting there. Um, look, I mean, it, it is it is what it is. That's why they got 17 days to get everybody right. And I mean, you know, they got a handful of days off in between there. To you know, after after the 53, they can focus on the Cardinals for almost two weeks. So I expect them to come out and be sharp in that. I expect most of those guys to play if they can, obviously outside of Bushman and bell, definitely, you know, probably not going to be working out with the clavicle injury and bell having surgery on his hip. So we'll see how they end up making the decision on how to, uh, what they want to do or IR wise and when they want to do the stuff IR wise, we can get to that in a minute, but yeah, I mean, look, I think Juju Smith Schuster is going to be available. I think that Scanlon is going to be available. You know, Chris Jones, I think, will be available. Carl Harvin will be – I think everybody's going to be available. They're getting two weeks to not have to, you know, have a game. And, I mean, I know that may sound weird, but I mean, practice and – I'm not saying practice isn't physical, but a game's just a whole different ball game. So the, the time you have to rest in between, that's going to be big. I just – do you worry, though, moving forward about the durability of either one of those groups? Because, obviously, you know, you've got a lot of young guys in the cornerback room that are going to be pressed into action. We saw uh, against the Packers, J you know, Joshua Williams, who's been a standout performer a lot of times at camp, um, ha had a really uneven performance and, and had some struggles. Um, and, and I think that's going to be the case, right? I mean, I think you're going to see that uh, if you think back to Charvarius Ward when he was sitting behind Orlando Skandrick and it took him some time to work his way in. I don't know that they're going to have the luxury of doing that with the Trent McDuffie's, uh, the Joshua Williams and the Jalen Watsons. And, you know, and if you have any injuries there, that's just going to, you know, um, you know, put that on steroids a little bit in terms of how quickly they're going to have to, you know, be, you know, thrown into the fire and, and be ready to make plays. Is, is that the position group you worry most about if, if that's the case? 
my position group is going to be offensive line to the bitter end because you got a very, <laughs> very big investment at uh, that where's number 15. So that's the guy that you need to worry about. Anybody else, um, look, they're going to have growing pains. The rookies are going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to take their lumps. They're going to give up, you know, going to give up plays. They're going to give up touchdowns. That stuff's going to happen. That's just the, that's just the way that that's going to work because the way they had to construct the roster this year and how they're going to have to adjust some things next year financially. That's just, that's just what they're going to have to, in the words of Andy Reid, that's what they're going to have to roll with. And that's what they, that's what they're willing to accept by the roster that they created. And I think they know that, but with, I'm going to say it now and I can't since it's a year behind us with the dumpster fire, they had a defense there for about five or six weeks and how awful they were with a bunch of veterans. I'm okay taking rookies that are going to improve, just like a lot of fans were willing to last year. And they've got a great secondary coach in Dave Merritt that's going to get them to where they need to go. And like we've talked about on the podcast, may take eight weeks, may take nine weeks, may take 10 weeks. But Dave Merritt's one of the best secondary coaches there is. And that's why he constantly develops and turns out the quality of cornerbacks that no matter where you invest in them, they turn into guys who can play on the roster. That's why you're worried about a guy, Rashad Fenton, now that Dave Merritt helped coach up. And a handful of years ago, you're like, ah, oh, that guy ain't going to do anything. He's a late round pick or Legereus Sneed, you know, and we can, the list can go on and on. So, I mean, are they going to have some issues here and there? Sure. But in Dave Merritt, I trust. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, last night, I mean, look at, you know, again, going against you know backups against backups stuff like that you know I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in preseason game three performances and stuff like that but uh Darius Harris was a guy who who impressed me um and I think I think solidified his spot on the roster but you know Jermaine Carter's a guy who also you know kind of popped for one of the first times um you know in, in preseason stuff like that was there anybody who jumped out at you uh, from the Packers game, and, and you thought made a, a nice late push to get on the the Chiefs roster. Uh, for me personally, the, the I think in my mind the roster's been set except for probably two spots that I think they've been kind of looking at for a couple of weeks, maybe three. Um, just because everything's been what consistent. are those three spots? So things have been consistent up there to where it was. Who do they want to be the number six corner? Is it going to be Nazi Johnson or is it going to be um, Lamon. Chris Lamons because special teams or sorry, Lamons, 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 but you know, he's, he's we got the spelling right. <laughs> um, yep, yep. Glass off full right there. That's how we roll. Um, but you know, that, that was going to be a part of it. Then the question was going to be, were they going to keep a fourth tight end? You know, was it going to be Blake Bell because he's a really good blocking tight end and you already have Noah Gray and Fortson that are both really talented receiving tight ends, but with the Bell's hip flexor surgery. So then you're like, okay, is Bushman going to, you know, Bushman took advantage of the opportunities that he had in Thursday night's game. And then he has the clavicle injury that's probably going to keep him out for a significant amount of time. So then, you know, you, you have that. But I mean, the guys that really, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see if they're going to keep a, a fifth defensive end are they going to keep a fifth defensive tackle are they keeping you know five for both and then are they keeping nine or ten offensive linemen so i mean those are those are all questions that you know i won't i won't know until tuesday comes around i mean i can you know put out articles predicting the 53 and all that type of stuff but i mean we'll we'll see what happens when it happens they've thrown curveballs before they'll do it again um but the guys that kind of jumped out like you said darius harris i mean when you're watching guys in that third preseason game, the biggest thing you want to see who has the fire, 
who, who, when they get those reps, no matter if they're going against second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth team, Pop Warner, it doesn't matter. Who, what do they do when they have those reps available? Darius Harris did everything in his power to make sure he put phenomenal tape on, uh, on Thursday night to earn a roster spot. And I think ever since I saw the green dot on him on the right. back of his helmet in the Bears game, I was like, all right, he's on the roster. You're not giving that green dot to somebody you have a question mark on. Yeah. You're not letting them have, you'll give those reps to somebody else. And they, they didn't, they gave them to him. So that I, I've, in my mind, his spot's been locked up for a little bit. I, I know people, I know you brought up Carter and I know some other people have on social media and everything, but I mean, he had, in my opinion, he had two downhill plays that were open gaps where like, you would hope he would get there as a veteran. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he did, but there was times where he got washed out in the run game and I hate to say it. Um, even very Anthony Hitchens, like (laughs) I'm not, you, I'm not comparing anybody. Um, but there, there was another guy who he gave up two of those massive runs that ended up in their first touchdown. And that was a, that was a, a, a guy you're, you're a big fan of. In fact, I think you run his fan club in uh, in Colin Saunders. Like he got out, he got out of place twice, and like the, yeah. the they saw that running back saw that, and boom, he was gone. And then I asked the question immediately: I was like, how come the Chiefs running backs don't see that type of stuff and run through yeah. it? Um, so that's a that's another question for another day. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like I thought Harris had a good game, Bushman had a strong game, yeah. and then Bichelle did the best he could to earn a roster spot, whether it's here or Kansas City, here in Kansas City or where else he may go, um, and then. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, the oh, I mean, Dion Bush, he was already on the roster, but he had some strong special teams plays. Joshua Williams minus running into the kicker and uh, grabbing a face mask, he had and, a much better game than people realize. Well, I, I think he also he he you know missed the tackle on the touchdown run up the middle and stuff like that, and and you know gave up a couple uh, receptions and pass coverage stuff like that, um, but. He, I agree. He, he just had an uneven performance for me. I mean, I think I'd become accustomed to seeing Joshua Williams make more plays than he flubbed. And in this game, it was more of a 50, 50, um, you know, he, he was, he was getting beat or missing tackles, uh, having silly penalties uh, or unfortunate penalties in the case of the face mask. I think his hand got caught there. Um, you know, so that, uh, that's where it was just a little bit more uneven. And I, I actually think that's a reflection of how good Joshua Williams has been at camp. And in the first couple of games, that when he wasn't very good, he was more average that it, it, it stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. I think people have high expectations for him and they seem to forget that he's a rookie, just like uh, a lot of other players. And then Brian cook, that interception showed uh showed really good, really good uh, vision in the open field. And then so did uh sky Moore on his returns. Like, yeah. he did a really good job. Pacheco showed if you let him run between the tackles and just use his straight line speed, that's where he's that's where he's effective. He can bounce them out after the fact, but some of those stretch runs just they aren't the same as what he was doing yesterday when he could just hit the hole and go. He didn't necessarily have to read with some of those zones in the same way. And then Ronald Jones, they finally said, Hey, he's a power running back between the tackles. There you go. And he showed what he's capable of if you keep him between the tackles. So and, they and feature they showcased a lot of players' strengths versus what they're trying to run in their scheme. Well, and that, that's what's interesting because the first couple preseason games, the Chiefs struggled to run the football. And I think they knew coming into the offseason that having more balance, um, not only in the passing game, which is why I think they went with quality uh, or quantity over quality necessarily um, by trading Tyreek Hill. I think they also know that they've got to evolve that running game so that they have that balance there too. 
part of me wonders whether, you know, after the first couple of preseason games, what we saw last night was an acknowledgement that, hey, we've got some guys who can do more of a power run scheme between the tackles with with Tooney, with Creed Humphrey, um, with, you know, with Trey Smith. Uh, that maybe fits better with Andrew Wiley's style as a guard. That maybe fits better with with Orlando Brown style um, as well. Um, so I, part of me wonders, you know, if they decide to go with a more power run game and, and adopt that a little bit um, because they've got Pacheco, does that open up a spot for Ronald Jones on the roster? Or do you think, still think they're going to roll with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jarek McKinnon, and just Pacheco? Because I know that, you know, that's kind of one of those position battles where the Chiefs have a tough decision to make when it comes to that 53-man roster. Yeah, first first thing I'll say for rebuttal to that is um, Andy Reid shows what he wants to in preseason. Sure. Yeah. And so if there's stuff that he wants to kind of, you know, throw a curveball to team and keep him unprepared for, like, I don't know, a power run game, um, he'll do it. Like, and he'll just throw it at you to where you didn't have time to prepare for it. And you're like, oh, what's this? They didn't show this last year or in preseason. So I think they're, I, I want to believe, and maybe I'll be terribly wrong. And I'll be like, well, <laughs> wrong on that one after five weeks. Um, maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll showcase some of that power run game and let people kind of see that, hey, they, they paid attention in Cincinnati safety championship game. Mm-hmm. They lost because they didn't do this and they came back with a vengeance with it. So we'll see if they keep doing the RPO concept or if they actually run some more power between the tackles or change up their running style and run a little bit more. I'm intrigued to see if that if Andy's holding some cards at the best. I'd like to believe he is. Um, so if they are going to run power run, then yeah, Ronald Jones needs to be on the on the roster. He's one of the more physical backs that can help them do that. But if they're not going to, they're wasting his time. I mean. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm sure he'd appreciate the paycheck and, you know, having a job, so he'll, he'll take it. But, I mean, in terms of his athletic prime and ability, it would in some ways be wasting his time if that's not what they're going to do. And I think some of that factors in with what they're doing at the third quarterback spot, what they're doing at the fourth tight end spot, because there's you have that decision, do you want to put Blake Bell and IR now and end of season and then maybe do an injury settlement and then, you know, a whole bunch of other hypotheticals that have to happen or, you know, and or – are you going to put, you know, or, or Bush, is Bush man, the guy you want to have potentially available down the road? And I think, I think those things kind of impact offensively what they're, what they may do with that fourth running back spot. Yeah. I mean, cause I think uh, my assumption is that if they think that Blake Bell can come back at some point in the season, they're going to want to put him on the 53 man roster um, and then move him to, the, the pup list or IR with it and then later designated well, pup, to return. Pup, they won't be able to put them on pup. Well, but moving to IR. So they right. designated to return down the road um, when he's healthy. So, I mean, the fact that they haven't already put him on IR probably means that, that, that they think there's a chance that he'll be back this year. Cause I think that, uh, that, you know, but, but we'll get that answer closer to the deadline at 3 PM on Tuesday. Right. And, they may, also, do there. and they may also see who's getting cut over the, who's getting waived over that time to make, you know, to make that. Yeah, well, and they, yeah, we already saw that they put in a waiver claim for Kendall Blanton. So I think they would have happily added somebody, mm-hmm. um, you know, they would have loved to add Blanton and then hope they could sneak Bushman and or Jordan Franks onto the practice squad. If they cleared waivers and then, you know, move Blake bell to, to IR after he's on the 53 man roster. I mean, I, that, that was, that's the sense I got from, from the reports that they tried to claim, Kendall Blanton. And then of course, like you said, Bushman had a big game and you're thinking, well, maybe they already had the guy on the roster 
but I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs do mine. Uh, I, I think Bushman and, and Bell, I mean, we'll see whether one or both those guys make the roster and then immediately get moved to IR and they, they re-add somebody um, that they cut, kind of like they did with Marcus Kemp last year, or they, they go get it, try to put in a waiver claim on somebody else. Um, but I, I, I mean, I don't know that they're going to keep four tight ends on the active roster if Bell and Bushman aren't available. Um, they may just roll forward into the regular season with Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray, and Jordy, Jody Fortson, and that may be where they can get a roster spot for a Ronald Jones if they want to keep him around. Yeah, I mean they, they've got a lot of they've got a lot of decisions, and I'm like I said, I'm curious to see what they if they have a fifth defensive and if they have a fifth defensive tackle, um, or are they you know are they going to keep ten offensive linemen? Are they going to go with nine? You know, or and are they like we said, are they keeping that fourth tight end, are they keeping the fourth running back? What are they, what are they doing with those? And are they keeping the third quarterback or not? Like all those are going to factor into those final three or four spots. Well, let, let's start with Bouchelle because so here's my question: um, Would you rather keep Bouchelle over Henny? Um, you know, or do you think that that Henny has to stay on the roster to give you you know sort of a proven veteran who has played? Because uh, I, I still don't see them – look, I, I don't see them with, with all the other roster spots. Like you said, there's four or five positions where I think there's guys they might like to try to keep around on the active roster. So I don't see them wanting to keep three receivers. Um, and, and, look, a lot of teams already have their quarterback set, right? Like they've gone through training camp and everything. So, Bouchelle, you, you, maybe you can still get him onto your practice squad. But if they like him enough, they don't want to risk that. Do you see a place where the Chiefs keep three three quarterbacks or, or a scenario where they keep Bouchelle over Henny? I don't I don't think they're keeping Bouchelle over Henny. That's just me personally. I mean, don't get me wrong, Henny checks it down. That's what he does. It's who he's gonna be. Like the Chiefs offense is gonna take a drawback if Mahomes gets hurt and Henny's the starting quarterback because even even Alex Smith would say, dude, take some chances. Okay. Yeah. Like, cause I've, I've been to training camp practices and I was like, dude, take some chances. <laughs> um, so like, I mean, yeah, Henny, Henny's nearing the end of his run. And I mean, but he gives another, you know, another veteran presence for Mahomes and, and, and uh, you know, Nagy to, to bounce ideas off of and everything. Bouchelle, what he brings is athletic ability. And as long as you give him an easy throw, like the Bushman touchdown was both times, like he can look competent but he's not, he's not exactly going to make it rain and his ceiling's going to be as a backup quarterback. So, I mean, it's not, you know, I don't, I don't think like, man, if they, if they lose him, they're not going to be able to replace that in any way, shape or form. They, they have right. plenty. There's other quarterbacks they can find that can do the similar work. It's just a matter of what are you, what are you wanting in that third quarterback? Yeah, I, I still, I, I don't look at that as a big spot. I mean, okay. Are, are, are we, are you pretty confident that the six receivers are set? Um, yeah, are you pretty caught Doris fountains, the sixth guy and that's it. And that's all, or do you still think there's any, I thought, you know, Corey Coleman had that nice kickoff return and then he immediately fumbled the punt return. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, with Josh Gordon, not having any special teams value, I think eliminates him from the conversation. I, I really think it's Doris fountain or bust at this point as the sixth receiver. And I'm not even sure that there's much conversation that needs to take place there. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is now I, I feel like other, some, some of the, local media in town's not like, oh, Justin Watson, he's not on the bubble anymore. The reality was he wasn't on the bubble for quite some time. They just right. didn't – they just hadn't got to observe him in a lot of practices. You know, they had to wait till preseason to see his oh, chemistry yeah. with Mahomes. OTAs in minicamp, I like, think. Had already that was, spent it was pretty Watson's abundant that that was already going to be the case. So that had been locked in for a while. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Watson's been – he's been in place as long as he didn't get injured since at minimum early, late July, like, you yeah. know, worst-case scenario. So, yeah. it's just other people finally get to see the preseason games, and they're like, oh, okay, that's 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 why people are talking about him like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Fountain, Fountain's been locked in as a special teams guy as long as he didn't get hurt. Like, I mean – that's I, I think that wide receiver room has been set. It was just a matter of if Corey Coleman or Josh Gordon could do enough to to justify having them as the sixth receiver over somebody yeah. that's strong in special teams. And from what I saw in the three games, they they unfortunately weren't able to do it. Yeah. So okay, the, the question to me comes down to offensive line, right? Like let's uh, offensive line, defensive line. Let's start there. Um, I mean, I, we know who the five are. We know Nick Allegretti is going to be on the roster. I mean, Austin Ryder gives you a veteran backup at center, and they worked him some at right guard. I, I think he's probably got a spot. How many of those other spots are up for grabs, though? I mean, do you – you know, Darian Kennard's an interesting one. I mean, he hasn't shown a lot in camp, but they invested a fifth-round pick, and I think that they like his versatility and his chance to develop into something. I'm not sure he's a guy they can sneak on the practice squad, but if you keep him around, that means – a guy like a Prince Tega Winogo or somebody like that has to go. So what do you see as the, the battle for that spot? And, you know, I mean, do you think, do you think they go ahead and keep all of them and go to 10? And if they do, where are you making that other cut from? Um, if, if I'm in their shoes, my, uh, like you said, Allegretti is the six riders, the seven. So at that point I'm deciding between eight and nine, is there somebody that can play guard and tackle? And then who's the other one that can play either guard and tackle. So in that regard, I I want somebody veteran like Jerry and Christian, Jaren Christian and, then, sure. and yeah. then you can, if you feel comfortable with Prince, then maybe Prince is the other guy because Roger Johnson really struggled and Kennard struggled as well. And I think Kennard's put enough tape on there that you can put him on the practice squad at this point. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, do you think it comes down then to pro, like Kennard versus Prince Tega Winogo? Cause I really do think that given Jaron Christian's, uh, you know, his, his time as a starter with Houston, I think he's like the backup swing tackle uh, in, in the event that Wiley struggles or Brown gets hurt. For now, yes. I, yeah. I think the Chiefs are going to be actively keeping tabs on guards and tackles that are going to get waived or released. And the, the last two players we mentioned could be replaced at any moment. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, Tego Winogo, I, I think they've, they've liked him for several years. He, he missed part of training camp because he was hurt, but I still think, um, you know, I mean, I think in my roster projection, I had them keeping Kennard over him, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's the other way. Yeah. I think anything's possible right now. I mean, I'm not going to discount anything, but I know if I'm in their shoes, I'm looking at what quarterbacks potentially come on the market, what running backs come on the market, what offensive tackles come on the market. And is there any defensive ends that come on the market like those that could, you know, help fill that back end? you're not exactly looking for a starter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of the secondary, I mean, do you see Lamont's given his special teams value? Does he have a leg up on Nazi Johnson or, you know, Johnson, Johnson's a versatile guy played safety, you know, in college, he, he's been working out at cornerback, um, you know, during training camp, uh, he's a young guy. They invested a draft pick in. I mean, do you see him as a guy who, who they can get on the practice squad uh, if, if they wave him or, do you think he's a guy that they've got to keep around? I mean, I, I think it comes down to Lamont's and Nazi Johnson. And I just, I'm, you know, what, what's your sense of where that stand, where that, that, that shakes out. At one point, uh, Jalen Watson was the one I thought was going to end up on the practice squad with, but he really started, he really started shining 
in yep. uh, in the cornerback, you know, in the preseason games, he did really, really good then, and he really earned himself a roster spot, in my opinion. Um, yep. Now, Lamont's is making it for special teams. Like, I mean, he's yeah. going to be – him and Fountain are going to be the lead special teams performers with Leo, Leo Chanel and with Elijah, you know, Elijah Lee and, you know, maybe some other uh, – maybe Mike Dana and some of the other – you know, and some of the other guys. So I, I yeah, think when, when Dave Tobe calls you the best gunner on the roster that you, you take note of that as a reporter or a fan, I think. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's about as good of a compliment, a compliment as you can get for a, for a roster spot from a yeah, coach. That, so. that, that's code for I'm keeping him. <laughs> if they'll let me. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, Nazi Johnson, I think they can get him on the practice squad. I mean, athletically, he's super, he's. I think he's a better player, but experience-wise and special teams-wise, Lamont's is just going to be what they're going to do. Yeah, and then that comes. I mean, I think I think the secondary, other than that said, I think they're going to roll with the four safeties. Um, you know, with Dion Bush and Brian Cook as the backups, and I think you're pretty comfortable with those guys in those roles. Um, uh, but the defensive line, I mean, I think Dana Karloftis. Clark and Dunlap are pretty safe. Is it Kando and Herring or maybe they just stick with four or how do you see that one shaking out? Cause I, I look at it and I say, um, I think Malik Herring has more upside. Josh Kando hasn't shown a whole lot, but if you're looking at it from a special teams perspective and you like Kando's athleticism on, on those in that aspect of the game, maybe he's got an edge, but I'm more intrigued by Malik Herring and what he might be able to develop into than I am what Josh Kando could in terms of using a roster spot. I think, I think with Herring, he, I don't think he'd put enough on tape um, other than quick hands. I just don't think you put enough on tape to that, the, that they feel like, well, man, nobody's, you know, somebody's going to claim him. I, I think they, if I'm in their shoes, I feel comfortable with taking that chance to put him on practice squad. Um, Kando, like I said, like he, he can't rush a passer. That's the reality. I'm just going to be blunt. Like he's a defensive. He did have a sack, who, but it was only because other guys got pressure and forced. Green Bay's backup up in the pocket, you know, and, and into Kando's arms last night. Yeah, so like he can't rush the passer, and <laughs> um, which is yeah. not good if you're a defensive end. It's a huge, huge problem. It's a very, very big problem, and that's like priority number one of. Uh, Would of, you keep as your Kamara over either one of those guys? No, athletically, I like what he is, but he's undersized, right. and like that's another guy that hey, maybe I'll put you on the practice squad. We both he's a hustle special guy. teams. And like, you know, we do that, but in terms of like a roster spot, he just, yeah. no, it's not. I not think, right I now. think, I think he does stick around in the practice squad though. I do think that they'll keep around as a potential developmental speed rusher. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't disagree with it. And then we'll see what they do with defensive tackle. I still think they're going to keep five and force Saunders to kind of be a rotational pass rusher because he struggles in run defense this year. I mean, he had his moments last year before the injury, but this year and watching the game film, he's, he, he got washed out a handful of times that, you know, opened up some lanes that you you don't want if you're having a guy try to be a run defender, which is why uh, some guy named Danny Shelton was in. And, and yeah. they wanted to get him some snaps last night late in that game just so he kind of was in the game <laughs> and everything. And that was that was – I watched every play just just for him, and I knew he was going against, bat, you know, third stringers and everything. I totally get that. But it was, it was still enjoyable to watch him not be moved. Oh, just throwing guys around too. Like, you know, it, and it's – like, yeah, they're, they're third string guys. A lot of those guys may, you know, be, maybe on Green Bay's cut list coming forward. But all of those guys are among the biggest and strongest human beings on the planet. And there are times that Danny Shelton looks like 
he is toying with them the way he just throws them around. It's, it's kind of hysterical. I, I don't want him to throw me around like that. He would hurt me very badly. Um, you know, but for those other guys, like that's why, yeah, Shelton was playing with the third string, but I'm, I'm like, yeah, I think Shelton provides insurance in case Nadi's back flares up or stuff like that and gives you that run stuffing presence. And uh, obviously Chris Jones and I, Chris Jones and Tershawn Wharton are on the roster. I still think it's too early to give up on Colin Saunders's athleticism. You know where I stand on this, but I mean, honestly, if they go a different direction, I wouldn't be surprised. I think if they had a better option, a more consistent option, Saunders's job would be in jeopardy. I just don't know that Taylor Stallworth or Matt Dickerson or Josh Kando or Azure Kamara has enough potential upside to bump Colin Saunders off the roster at that defensive line rotation right now. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. And, and I wish you hadn't phrased the Shelton thing the way you did. I was just toying with him. Does that reminded me of that story you told me the week about your mom's cat. Yeah, <laughs> just like batting, like my yeah. So for those who don't know, like my mom used like her house was developed on a field, you know, and and so field mice were a problem some winters, and she had this cat who would he would catch a mouse and just toy with it. He just bat it around. He'd kind of choke it out and then let it go and just play with it. And that's exactly. I mean, you were laughing. I was thinking the same thing though. I was like, I was like, he was a cat with a with a wounded mouse just out there, just like pushing guys around. Like they were like, they weren't 330 pound, you know, insanely athletic grown men. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what he brings to the table. And he saw his teammates get all on the sidelines. They were pumped to see him out there and just mesmerized to kind of watch him work out there. So I just hope, I hope, I hope he can throw a pass and they can bring back hungry, hungry pig, right. Or something like that. I don't know. I feel like Andy's got a whole bunch of other plays in his playbook for, that special time when they're up on the Broncos by 35 on Christmas or something. And... Oh, poor. At least it won't be Drew Locke who has to wear that one this year, you know. Although I think, you know, what'll be, is it is it Christmas Eve or New Year's Day when the Seahawks come to town? So... Yeah, it's Christmas Eve when the Seahawks come to Kansas City. Yeah, and then the Broncos are New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, I think. So I don't know. Um... I'm, I'm one week at a time right now. <laughs> and I know next week's a bye week. Yeah, that's right. We, everybody gets uh, Labor Day weekend off. Not Labor Day, but Labor Day weekend. And then Andy gets rolling into game week uh, on Labor Day. Um, all right. Any other positions of note you, you think are worth chatting about or you think we've covered it? We've exhausted all of it at this point. All right. Well, I'm so, sorry that you're exhausted. Just like, hey, just like Tyreek Hill has exhausted. I was going to say, welcome by, in Kansas City. By the way, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, hopefully people haven't thrown this uh, thrown this podcast away like garbage, like the Chiefs clearly did Tyreek Hill. I'll tell you what, I would love uh, to be offered $25 million. If somebody like, like that's a wonderful way to be treated like garbage is to be offered like 24, $25 million a year. I, I mean, I don't make that. So, I mean, I definitely feel, you know, um, you know, I mean, what do I, how should I feel if that's being treated like garbage, according to Tyreek Hill? Look, I mean, here, here's what I find laughable about the whole thing. Like, Kansas City fans are ready to move on, and, like, Kansas City media is ready to move on and oh, yeah. like, keep, you know, like, doing our own thing. And then, like, it's it's just like that just like that ex that keeps sending you messages on Facebook Messenger. Yeah, it's like, it's like 2.30 in the morning. It's like, uh-oh, Tyreek been drinking again. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, and, and, like, he just had, he had another quote. And, like, I mean, I get, I get that he wants to make the – put this make-believe chip on his shoulder – but how he's disrespecting he's just and that all he does each time he keeps talking is like just like further push himself away from being in the hall of honor like i mean he just keeps he just keeps trying to do that like i'm like dude stop burning bridges bro i 
part that of me been feels a, that should have been a TLC song. Stop burning bridges, <laughs> not chasing waterfalls. <laughs> Don't go burning, burning bridges. bridges, Tyree. Tyree, um, please stick to the number ten that you're used to. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I I feel like too though. I mean, don't you think that the Chiefs knew who knew who Tyreek Hill was and kind of had a sense that he I, I don't think that anybody in that locker room is surprised that Tyreek occasionally says <laughs> foolish things um, about about the Chiefs um, now that he's now that he's no longer with them. I, I just, it, you know, like I if, if Patrick Mahomes or, or Travis Kelsey, then their career moved on and they were talking smack, that would shock me that Tyreek Hill is doing it does not in any way. I think what what's getting annoying about it is that he hasn't quit. <laughs> right. No, like, <laughs> like once training camp started, you would hope that he would just focus on his team and move forward and, you know, uh, and just stop staring in the rearview mirror. We get it, Tyreek. <laughs> you wish you were still in Kansas City. It's okay to say that. It's well, just, probably not if you're the Dolphins, but we get it. Yeah. Well, and like, I'm like, Miami, are you ever going to like talk to this dude and be like, hey, bro? I don't know if you know this, but you're like you're a dolphin now. So like you won't we focus on this team here? But it's just I don't know, man. It's just like a part of me thinks that he's trying to create this create this chip on his shoulder because he has no chip because he's gotten everything that he could want. He's right. getting the stardom in Miami that he wants, he's getting the contract in Miami that he wants. So like he's gotta he's gotta figure the out lack this of way. In state income taxes in Miami that he wants. <laughs> He's got he's got his, uh, his off season home that he's now can make full time residence. Like he's got he's got everything he'd want. So like he he's just creating this make believe scenario. Like I mean, dude. Like I mean, I told you, and we'll put it up publicly now. But I kind of told you privately. I'm like, hey, dude. I keep hearing that they're shopping him at the combine. Yeah. I'm like they're they're shopping him, and then you know, and then or somebody was shopping him. It, did, it may not have been Kansas City. It may have been an agent. Um, but somebody was somebody was. Yeah, uh, saying that the there was services conversation were that Tyreek might be gettable. Yeah, and 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 if you believe that a a trade like that happens as quickly as it started leaking out, then <laughs> you're crazy, man. That uh, that 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 didn't that didn't move that fast. No, I'll tell you what though, I still want to talk to Dion Bush because that guy has, like you <laughs> yeah, said, he's he's yeah. had some, he's shown some ability on like special you teams. You couldn't right? find him in the locker room on Thursday, Tom. He's had no, I, I missed him on Thursday. He's had a couple big hits, although I did ask the Chiefs PR staff, like, because we're getting players, I think, Monday. I was like, can we ever get Dion Bush for just like a get me through like midweek story? Because, you know, he he was in, he was announced as, as signing with the Chiefs and he was like, what up, Chiefs Kingdom? And then like an hour later, like the Tyreek Hill trade news breaks and, you know, Chiefs Twitter handled it very well. There was nobody making dire predictions or losing their mind or or, you know, or, or posting weepy TikToks, um, you know, in, in the wake of Tyreek Hill being traded uh, to the Miami Dolphins. And then uh, Dion Bush, you know, he's kind of hysterical. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll catch you all later. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, that dude so, read the room. Props to him. He yeah, no, it was yeah. just, it was, it was so funny. And like, one of the things I love is guys with personality. That's why, like, I'm going to root for Justin Reed this year to have a pro bowl caliber season and do everything that, that Tyron Matthew did his first couple of years, because he just strikes me as a wonderful dude. He's easy to root for. In my opinion, you know, he's just got a good personality. Uh, Dion, I think Dion Bush would be the same way. I know he's not going to be a star. He's not going to get paid on the same level as Justin Reed. And unless there's an injury, he's not going to necessarily be a household name. 
um, you know, on this roster, but I think he's got a role and I think he can play it effectively. And I would just love to see if he's feeling a little bit more love from Chiefs Kingdom these days. Well, you really know how to cut a man down, dude. Like, like, like all these things. That he's he's probably not going to be this, and probably not going to be. Well, that. I mean, look, I, look. I he's, hope he's you don't got think about role. your kids I, look, the same way, bro. If he turns into a, an, an all pro safety, so much the better. That'd be great. I'm not. I'm not saying. You know, I'm just saying I, that's not what I expect from him uh, with the signing. I mean, and I don't think that's what he or the Chiefs expect. Otherwise, he'd have gotten you know 13 million a year. Tom, um, I want you to dream big this weekend, okay? I don't care what it is. Dream big. Yeah, Dion can too. I just, I just think, he, I just think it'd be fun to chat with that guy. Yeah, no, I agree. But yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, we move on. Um, roster cutdowns are going to be on Tuesday at three o'clock Central Standard Time, and uh, then after that, for those that are wondering, a player hypothetically for like Blake Bell. Um, Blake Bell's a guy that's going to, if they want to have him in the season or Bushman in the season, they're going to have to keep them on the initial fifty-three. And then a day later, after 3 o'clock the following day, they can put them on IR and designate them to return to come back at that if they want to. And, and yeah. one player can come back twice. So, I mean, you have, you have eight moves total you can make, and a, and a player can come back twice. There's just, uh, I think there's a cap on one or two of people being able to do that twice in a season. Um, <clears throat> so there will be that. Uh, practice and then squads. that 24-hour window is also when the waiver claim begins. The way the waiver claim begins at yeah after three on Tuesday, and then it ends at eleven a.m. that Wednesday morning. Yeah. So Wednesday morning eleven a.m. So it'll be almost twenty four hours, but eleven a.m. that morning that'll end, and after teams find out who has or hasn't been claimed at that point, um, then they can sign those players to their practice squad. And yeah. the practice squad this year can have sixteen people, I believe five or six, five or veterans and eleven have to be guys that have accrued less than something like accrued less than eight games and in one in a season and they can't have more than three years of experience and there's there's a whole bunch of little little windows there but at the end of the day if they wanted to put josh gordon on the practice squad they could if they, i'm just saying if they want to they could do that well and in theory you could do that with ronald jones too as one of those five veteran guys you know if if uh you know but some of those guys i suspect will, will clear waivers and it'll be interesting too i think the chiefs will take their time up until the deadline and maybe explore some some possible trade options. If there are teams out there looking for somebody, the other reason being the chiefs are pretty low on the waiver wire. So like if there's a, a tight end out there that they really covet as they learn with the Kendall Blanton situation, they may be too low on the waiver wire pecking order to get that guy. They may have to, you know, try to swap players or try to move a, a, a you know, a, a late round draft pick to try to make that happen. If there's a guy they really covet. Yeah. And, and, I mean, some of the preseason games being on Friday and Saturday as well, and I can't remember if there's any on Sunday. Um, that's that's going to make things a little bit complicated, or you want you kind of want to honestly take your time a little bit more than you than you would in in some weeks because I know there's a handful of games on Friday, there's a handful on Saturday, and then yeah, there's two on there's two on Sunday with the Giants versus the Jets and Lions versus the Steelers. So if there is players on those rosters that they potentially would be intrigued by. I would imagine most of that trading is would be Sunday night, Monday type of thing or in the yeah. early Tuesday if if players or teams start making moves like that. Yeah, that's why I don't think the Chiefs are gonna like start making a bunch of moves on Saturday because you know you're gonna want to wait and see. I mean, if there's a significant injury or something like that, you know, all of a sudden you could have a trade show. And look, some of these these uh, you know, 
you don't think a whole lot about some of these late, late training camp trades, but I mean, that's how the chiefs got a Charvarius ward, right. And a trade with Dallas and stuff like that. So sometimes these moves uh, wind up having some sneaky impact as well. Yep. Todd, but I am out of time, sir. All right. Well, uh, are you glad that there are no more one hour specials to prepare for at least for three weeks? I don't know. I'll see. I, I take life one day at a time right now, maybe one <laughs> week at a time. So we'll see. Did I just, did I just ruin it by reminding you that there was one in three weeks? <laughs> um, no, you didn't. I've, I've already got that mentally in my head that it'll be in a couple of weeks, but um, we got a show every week, you know, once season starts. So, I mean, we'll yeah. have that as well. Not a problem. We'll make it happen. Um, but yeah, no, that uh, I'm going to enjoy this upcoming week and kind of reset a little bit. All right. Do you want to tell people how they can find our preseason coverage moving forward and into the season on KSHB 41, the home of the Chiefs? Todd, I feel like you're you're more into the KSHB.com web department than I am. Oh, no, I meant like the time of the different shows and stuff like that. Oh, you're, oh well, countdown to kickoff is primarily at 10 a.m. every Sunday. Um, but if the Sunday night football game is on our air, then that'll that's normally from five to six with nbc taking over coverage six to seven but all this stuff we'll send you in a uh, in a reminder of the podcast each week whenever it happens that's right and uh so we will once the chiefs kind of set their roster next week we'll come back and dissect that and then uh then we'll start rolling into the regular season with our uh regular previews and uh post-game reaction um so you'll get to hear more from me and nick as we move forward into september i know you guys are looking forward to that too Sorry, Todd. I got some high school coverage to go do now, so I got I got to bid you adieu. All right, take care, kid.